Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Dewey. And you're listening to Detached Head. We're coming to you live from 1067's PAC meeting. Um, our scribe, Kyle, is not here for this one. So we're all just going to take notes and count our badges and stuff. Try to prepare. We have a special guest with us today, Tyler Peterson from Manager JS. I should point out that Dewey and I both know Tyler, and though it might be a conflict of interest on his part, we are friends, uh, whether he says so or not. Oh yeah, I count you as friends. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't work for uh, Tyler anymore, so he's my actual friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I told you guys, I, I told Dewey that uh, I can't be his friend because I manage him, because you can't really be friends with the people you manage. But yeah, that's a different conversation. And so I quit, uh, and that's how much his friendship meant to me. Yeah. <laughs> I should have used it to retain you. Instead, I used it to drive you away. Whatever. <laughs> Just like my dad. <laughs> um, Tyler, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Tyler Peterson. I'm a web development manager. I've been... Um, a professional coder since 2002, and I've been in management since 2013. Uh, you want to tell us a little, about, a little bit about what Manager JS is? Sure. I've been blogging for a long time under the handle Manager JS at managerjs.com. And the when I started, I didn't have as clear a focus as I do now. I, I was just I did it because I was getting into management, and I. Um, knew that I needed to work on being more outward facing and not just focusing inside the company. Mm -hmm. And so I would write about, you know, just about everything that had to do with my job. Um, But now that I've been doing it for, I don't know what that is, about six years, I've been around applicants enough and I've gone recruiting at universities enough that I feel like I actually have something to offer that audience. So I've launched a podcast uh, under the name Manager JS, and I'm going to refocus my blog to primarily deal with uh, an audience of students or junior engineers trying to uh, be successful coders. So that's what Manager JS is about. And I'll probably talk a bit about things I've learned are effective as a manager from time to time, uh, and they're not about coding, but uh, I want to mostly be talking to those junior developers or students. Cool. Uh, I should mention uh, last week was essentially part one where Dewey and I covered a lot of interview questions uh, and thoughts about interviewing from the perspective of developers who are, you know, uh, in the field and looking around. Uh, So this part two is coming from the other side, Tyler, who is a manager who manages several developers. Um, So if you want to catch up, listen to last uh, our last episode so that you're not uh, too behind on this episode i think we're going to start off with some questions are we ready for that yeah i'm ready to start um so i'm uh, grateful to have tyler here because he offers uh a little bit different perspective uh than drew or i um he and i are both uh what you'd call individual contributors so we're looking at things from uh you know a team member's perspective uh, someone trying to help a team achieve its goals. Um, Tyler's coming at it uh, as a manager, uh, talking about you know bringing on new teammates uh, 
to help the whole company, to help build uh, a really successful uh, reservoir of, of developers. One of the things I've been thinking about in interviewing lately is that coding interviews um, seem to take the forefront. Like if I talk to anyone I work with um, and you ask them, you know, why don't you go on interviews? Why don't you enjoy interviewing? It's the whiteboard mm-hmm. coding. It's the <laughs> sitting at a computer doing fizz buzz, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing we did uh, that I learned uh, from Tyler, uh, from you, Tyler, is to do behavioral interviewing questions. Uh, questions more about, uh, tell me about a time when this situation yeah. occurred as a way of sort of... Uh, getting information about how that person behaves as an employee rather than what they know as a coder. Um, so I want to pose a sort of desert island question. If you had to select the engineers for your team uh, based solely off of coding interviews or behavioral interviews, uh, which would you prefer? That's a great... I understand the rhetorical purpose of that. I want to start by saying... Um, Hiring is the most important thing a manager does. So in real life, he better not be thinking about how to reduce his investment in that activity. Uh, but I underst- I think I get what you're going at. Um, and I'm tempted to say code interviews because when I'm interviewing intern candidates, I dedicate a large portion of the time to the coding interview. And you do learn a lot about the developer in a coding interview. But even mm-hmm. then... I probably don't give coding interviews the way that a lot of people think of a coding interview. It's not hard code. It's yeah, uh, yeah. it's code that I expect they will have done so many times they can do it almost from memory, but I don't stop them from using the internet or anything. So uh, especially if you're saying coding interviews where people are solving a particularly challenging algorithm or problem, I think that those are almost useless as a um, vetting tool because if they get it right, that's great. But if they get it wrong, you don't really know that they're a bad candidate Yeah, uh, because it's so artificial. So uh, between the two of them, even though I rely so much on coding interviews, I think behavioral interviews win, especially if you're not just doing junior developers, you're doing the whole gamut of hiring. I think behavioral interviews are so versatile. They, they cover so much. And there's so many things that a person has to be good at. And coding is an important one of them. But uh, I've hired too many brilliant people that were toxic to think that coding is the only thing that matters. Because there's uh, all of these other people on the team. So I got a question then. So if somebody is interviewing and they're only asked uh, coding interview questions, would, should that be a red flag? Uh, yeah, you need to train your interviewing staff so they don't just ask interview coding uh, so, questions. So it's either two things. Either they don't know how to interview or they're cutting the interview short because it's already not going good. <laughs> yeah, if, if, uh, if all they did was give any part of the interview and cut it short because they knew it was, it was a no, that's fine. Yeah, okay. you can cut it short because you know it's a no. Okay. So that's, yes, that's a red flag. You shouldn't hire that person. I have a tendency to think about behavioral interview questions uh, as they apply to my own life, hmm. meaning I've taken it upon myself to, like, what's a good uh, interview question? And I'll think, 
well, there was this situation where I really wished that person wouldn't have behaved that way. And mm. so then I'll craft uh, these ideas of questions around uh, these sort of situations. Uh, am I doing yeah. something horrible? Is that the worst thing to do? Making up. Oh, you mean you're asking behavioral questions of new candidates that arise from past frustrations you've had with other yeah. people. Yeah. What's the right way to write them? What's the right way to approach behavioral interview questions? Well, the right way is to get a clear understanding of the job they have to do, identify what those uh, behaviors are, and then create behavioral questions in the order of importance. Um, mm-hmm. I forget the book. There was another book that I was looking through that uh, that talked about this, that um, the most important thing in hiring is actually a clear understanding of the job you're hiring for. And people often skip that step. And all you really need to do is say, this is what the job is. Tell me about a time you did all this. Right. We're in a a situation where the factory has this dysfunction and this is what we're hiring you for is to fix that dysfunction. Tell me about a time you fixed that dysfunction. Right. So um, behavioral interviewing really should be focused on the job. But what you're doing is not wrong because you are immersed in the job and you're talking about. uh, challenges that you've had with other coworkers, so it's not wrong. And as a matter of fact, that's how I have modified my own gamut of behavioral interviewing questions, especially in my inter- intern interview, because uh, right or wrong, I only have a half hour with each candidate, and um, that that's kind of a professional sin to uh, hire somebody based only on a half hour of interviews. Hmm. Um, but they are interns and it's time bounded and I know that I'm going to benefit them uh, through their experience at the company so it's not so bad but I really should be spending more time with them but I don't set the schedule for those interviews but it's only a half hour and so you have to think really carefully about which questions you ask and frankly there's the coding portion and then the behavioral parts are all based on bad things I've seen happen I'm asking questions to identify people that did awesome at coding and yet were bad employees. So I'm trying to uh, learn from the the good coders that were bad employees that I've hired in the past and identify that. But a lot of times you don't realize that's a critical part of the job until somebody doesn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like not being a jerk to other people that disagree with you. I mean, if... If you've had a certain life experience, you don't even realize that's something you need to look for. You're like, isn't everybody cordial, you know, in those circumstances? So uh, that is probably the most valuable thing I'm, I'm getting out of my experience as a manager is understanding the jobs that I'm hiring for at a level beyond just uh, subconscious. You, know, you just know it. Fish discover water last. And I think that a lot of times you don't know the job you're doing well enough to write the description and find somebody to replace you unless you've put a lot of time into it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, uh, I like that. I I think the inverse of the, the jerk engineer thing can also be true. You write these, uh, behavioral interview questions to weed out, uh, 
the people who uh, are jerks because uh, until that happened, you didn't know that was possible. I also think the inverse of that can sometimes be true where we say, well, people that are incredibly smart or incredibly talented are just naturally uh, shorter with people. They're just, you know, they're natural jerks. And so we're just going to put up with that. But by making these behavioral interview questions the standard, by saying this is the bar you have to be able to pass, uh, we're sending a message to everyone we attempt to hire in saying that, you know, kindness is key. Yeah. We're not saying you should be a pushover, but we're saying uh, we value uh, camaraderie and, you know, teamwork and, you know, humility. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, because that interview... Yeah, at that interview, if you end up hiring that person, that interview is your first set of instructions to that person because they know that you cared about that enough to ask before they were hired. So you, if you're trying to establish a culture, you should make it part of the interview. Okay. This is, yeah, so an aside to, how, you know, we started talking about coding interviews and behavior interviews. I, so I, I want to ask that question. Is that common? Is that typical? Should it be the case that a part of that interview is also uh, matching the culture of the team that they will be working for? Yeah, I've heard people talk about fit. Um, I've heard a lot about that uh, from people in HR, and it's very popular to, to talk about, you know, you've, you've, you've measured all these skills, but let's make sure they fit. I personally haven't ever had an experience where they did well on the coding, they did well on the behavioral interview, but when I sat and thought about fit, they didn't fit. And I think it's dangerous to have that sort of checkpoint. Mm. I think that having a uh, blank check where you can say, uh, you know, they're perfectly qualified, but they just don't fit, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get yeah. sued. Yeah, for, that's unfortunate for sure. You're going to get sued for discrimination because and I guess you, who doesn't fit people that aren't like yeah, you. Yeah. Those are the and people that don't fit. So if it matters, if it's a critical part of the job, it should be part of the interview. And if you're yeah. concerned they don't fit, turn that into a behavioral question and identify the the capability that you're asking them to demonstrate and ask them to demonstrate it. If they yeah. can demonstrate all of the uh, critical functions of the job and uh, any accommodations are justified uh, so the the secondary functions of the job it's justified because they have a disability or something then you need to consider that person just as strongly and i personally i personally know that just as a human being i'm drawn toward people that i like that are like me right oh sure so when i find people that are checking all of the boxes but feel different and and they might have even we might have even had a conversation on the whole oh but they don't fit i think really hard about those people because they either have uncovered a new job requirement that i just was i hadn't been consciously aware of or this is an opportunity to bring somebody on board that is going to have a different perspective and be competent and and be an asset. So I actually would rather hire that person than the person that you say, you know, they, they did okay. And boy, they are such a good fit. Don't hire that person. 
don't hire uh, that person that you said, and they did okay, but oh, man, I can just totally see them <laughs> gelling with the team. Uh, you should hire that other person that uh, yeah. was better on the core functions of the job and, um, and maybe wasn't an obvious fit because if you're, I think hiring for fit is uh, having that step where they say, do they match our culture? Well, what is your culture? You're being lazy. You're being lazy yeah. by saying, there's this ineffable thing called culture, yeah. and we don't really know what it is. We just know it when we see it. You know, don't do that. <laughs> so, um, for example, the, the three behavioral questions that I ask when I'm interviewing interns, and I tell them this in every info session or uh, classroom visit I go to, I ask them, tell me about a time when you were part of a group and you had an idea that you were passionate about, you advocated for, and you changed the direction of the group. And then the second behavioral question I ask is, tell me about a time, same situation, part of a group, had an idea you were passionate about, you advocated for, and the group went in a different direction. And then tell me about a time when you had to achieve something that was well beyond your current capabilities. Hmm. Because I, the people that ended up being bad for the team were the ones that either would not come up with their own ideas or couldn't do anybody else's ideas. Hmm. I need people that will contribute and disagree, and then I need them to commit. Yeah, if you, if you are listening from uh, the, the, our last episode, we covered that you might consider having some answers uh, two behavioral questions already in your mind, so you're ready to, to answer those. And just my two cents on this about culture, as a developer looking for a job, you might consider looking for a job that you think you'd enjoy. Uh, be a little bit aware, if you can, of what the culture is there, if possible. Uh, don't, don't leave that out when you're searching for a job. Oh, Consider yeah. what the environment is. Yeah, don't just, don't just work for a paycheck. Yeah, one thing I did last time I did interviews uh, was I thought of, because I'd had some experience now uh, being the interviewer, I thought of behavioral questions that I could ask those interviewing me. So I had prepared a few questions <laughs> nice. like, you know, tell me about the last release you had. Tell me about, uh, you know, the last time you had a discussion about testing or, you know, whatever. Whatever you can come up with that will help you get a feel for what does this group do under pressure? What does this group do, uh, you know, when it's good? Yeah, because if you ask them about the last release that they had and their answer is, we bought everybody pizza, everybody stayed till midnight, we had soda, <laughs> it, it was, was so great. Fun. Man, that is, that's probably not where you want to be. Yeah, it's uh, at least not where I want to be. <laughs> I think the genius of, of you having done that is the same reason why it's good to ask candidates, tell me about a time, instead mm -hmm. yeah. of tell me how you would. Yeah. And there, it's a subtle change in the wording. But if you were going to a company and you said, tell me how it would be like, tell me what the culture is like, if you give them those generic questions, they start telling you um, things they wish were true. Yeah. They, they don't tell you what's true. And it's not because they're being devious. It's just what that question invites. So saying, tell me about the last time you did this. Tell me about the last time that the developer was sure the designer was wrong. How did that go? 
Yeah. Right. I'm asking that one forever now. <laughs> right. Right. Um, that, that's okay. something that you want to know. Um, let's see. Let's. Uh, we already covered this next question um, a little bit. Uh, uh, you, we talked about coding interviews and behavior interviews. So this is a brief question about white, whiteboarding and different styles. I bring it up specifically because I am not good at whiteboarding. Um, <laughs> I, I, if they tell me to start by writing my name on the board, I'm going to get stuck right there. Uh, no. So, Tyler, in your experiences, I, I know you've, you've done paper and pencil. You've done whiteboards. Well, how do you feel about the value of whiteboarding? I think that uh, if it is representative of the job, then it's a good, it's a good tool to use. Um, and by that I mean most of the development jobs I've been in involved a lot of whiteboarding. They involved yeah. people getting together and hashing out issues at a whiteboard. So being able to make a diagram on the fly that describes a problem or a solution, okay, yeah. that is totally normal. And that's part of the core job requirements. And I've thought a lot about this because I think I'm always trying to make my interview fair and uh, productive for myself, fair to them and productive for me. And uh, when you are put on the spot and uh, it's, it's difficult, it's, it's common for a candidate to say, wow, that, that was hard. And they'll, they'll say, I would be good at this, but it's just so strange what you just asked me to do. You know, and, and, and so people are like, nobody writes code on paper anymore. That's why I didn't know how to write a for loop, you know. So... Um, so, <laughs> but the paper doesn't have syntax highlighting. Tyler. I know, and that's the thing. <laughs> so, it, the job of the interviewer is to keep the focus on the valuable part of the exercise, and to put the candidate at their ease. Hmm. You know, I like you that. should I like not, it. you should not freak them out. They're already freaked out. So, make it clear to them <laughs> what behavior, why you think this is representative of the job, why you think this is a fair exercise to put them through and you're not just being sadistic mm -hmm. and the problem is i think that a lot of people are just being sadistic they don't <laughs> realize it but yeah. they are they it i don't know that they plan this but it turns into this sort of make myself feel good about myself yeah thing. yeah you know here's this problem that i solved last week let's see if you can solve it with no preparation um, yeah. Yeah. Not awesome. Well, not cool. Well, so you uh, should well, put them at their ease and say, hey, treat me like a coworker. Uh, don't worry yeah. about syntax. Don't worry about getting it right. And don't worry about being right the first time. Instead, what I'm trying to see is how do you think about the problem and how do you convey your half-baked thoughts to the other people in the room so they can take part in the, solving this problem with you. So tr pretend I'm not an interviewer. Pretend I don't have a thought-out answer to this question. Pretend I'm seeing it for the first time, too, and let's work mm -hmm. together at the whiteboard. Let's, let's think this out. And I think that if somebody set it up to me that way, it would help me go into a behavior that I'm familiar with because anybody that's been a coder is familiar with that interaction. They've done it. But if, if you present it like a pop quiz, yeah, you're going to freak them out, and they're not going to do yeah. well, and it's not going to be helpful. Well, yeah. and, and like uh, you said, the person that can solve the riddle, that doesn't really say anything about them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's why even when you whiteboard, when I whiteboard, it is something from the, from the core of the job. It's something central. It's not so uh, common, so basic that anybody would use a library because there's a library developed for it already. It, it's a little bit off the beaten track so that you, you don't just downscore un, download underscore and there you are. You mm-hmm. know, that's what I would do. Um, although it's fair to say, well, pretend that underscore didn't have one and we don't want to download it, you know, the whole thing for this one function. And it's a simplified version that doesn't have as many edge cases as the one that underscore handles. So let's solve this little piece of that problem together, you know. I appreciate you coming at it with that perspective of, like, as a team solving it. I know we're doing story time later, but I, I got to tell you, one time I had an interview and he looked at me, the interviewer, and he said, I want you to tell me how many mechanics exist in the state of Texas. That was his question. And he just wanted to see how I was going to come about to a solution, which was fine. I, I know he wanted to see how I was thinking, but, man, yeah. it just, that was not, that wasn't that's a fun garbage. experience. No, that's, <laughs> I think that's garbage. That's central to the job, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. If your job is to create, uh, if your job is to create economic models to evaluate different possibilities for the company, then yeah, maybe. But but I don't. I think that's garbage. This. So for me, if it's a brain teaser, if you could characterize it as a brain teaser, even if it's an easy brain teaser, don't do that. Yeah. It's not, it's not been proven. It's, we actually have enough data to know that it doesn't predict success on the job. So you're just being a jerk. That's all. There's no, there's no escape all from that. All you're doing is freaking there. them out. What? Yeah. I was saying there's no escape from that. If it, I'm, I'm asking, I guess. If they bring up a question like that, could you be like, actually, <laughs> you know, it's sure. been proven no, that I'm that sorry, question no. will not benefit the, you or I. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm talking as a manager, and I'm saying don't <laughs> ask that question. And I'm talking yeah. to you senior devs <laughs> that get tapped on the shoulder at the last minute. Hey, take a look at this guy. Don't do that. If, <laughs> if you are doing it on the fly, don't do that. Instead... You should just take a couple minutes and say, what is something that we do all the time, and if they didn't have a clue where to begin with it, I would know they were not a fit. Yeah. Pick something like that. Mm -hmm. Don't pick something like, if they can do this, then it's five points, but if they can't, oh, who knows? You know? Pick something that pick something that's going to be dispositive, something that will support the making of a decision, not just be fun to go through for you and (laughs) terrible for them. Um, but so, if you're a candidate and they ask you a brain teaser, you just got to humor them. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's sad is, you know, I would want to say like, well, any company that would ask you that question, you wouldn't want to work there. But the yeah, problem but that's is not true. you probably would want to work there. It's probably a great place to work. They probably are just horrible at interviewing. Yeah. 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 yeah maybe they have great retention. <laughs> maybe they have great retention there at a size they've been at for a long time. They only have to hire a couple of times a year. And that's why they're no good. And they ask these questions because maybe they were doing something and they're not doing their job, by the way. They're still not doing their job. They don't recognize that their most important job is to hire. That's the most important job. You can't make a worse mistake than hiring the wrong person. It's the most expensive mistake you can make. But Mm. people don't all know that because it's not obvious because Mm -hmm. you spend so little time doing it. You just assume, hey, the things we spend all our time doing must be the important things. 
when really it's the other way around. The things that are important are the things you should spend all your time doing. Just because you spend all your time doing it doesn't mean it's important. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. If they ask that question, it doesn't mean that it's a bad company. It just means that they're not, that they're ask, they're doing something stupid and they're probably not a stupid person. It just, it's the best they could do with the amount of time they gave to that task. Yeah. That's yeah. unfortunate. That's actually incredibly depressing. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Why is that depressing? <laughs> the idea that there's all of these probably great developers interviewing with great companies that aren't making the connection because the process sucks. Yeah. Like yeah. Because oh, yeah. the company's yeah. not I'm putting so I'll tell you what. <laughs> Here's the worst thing. Here's the worst thing. Like every company that gets to a certain size has an HR department. And those HR people have been trained at least ostensibly to do all this for you. And so if if you're not careful, they're going to come along and say, hey, you tell me what you're looking for. I will hire. I'll find them. I'll vet them. Ooh. And you're thinking, well, good, because I hate interviewing. <laughs> I love working with my with my team. When I know somebody, I love it, but I hate meeting new people, and I hate interviewing. So here's this person that's a professional. They get paid to do this, and they're offering to do my job for me. So... Um, yeah, that, that happens a lot, that the HR department takes on more and more of the vetting process. And so they'll, they'll do things the best they can, but it's a bad process. They'll ask you brain teasers, or they'll ask you inapplicable, like, they'll ask you knowledge-based questions that are either way too hard or way too easy. They, they, don't, they aren't doing oh. the job. The person that does the job... The person that does the job or the person that manages the people doing the job, they're the ones that are qualified to say, yeah, this is the, this is the Goldilocks zone of a question. The, if they knew the answer to this, it would be good. If they didn't, I would definitely not hire them. So uh. don't, don't let HR take hiring away from you. Right. Yeah, I, I've actually had an interview with a, a recruiter, an internal recruiter that was obviously not a technical person and in the middle of the interview, I could suddenly tell they were just trying to elicit uh, keywords. Oh, man. They were just <laughs> being like, oh, he said JavaScript. He said mobile first. So he if you said, had to change the way that a website looked, what technology would you use? Has three letters, starts with an C, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ding, like ding, ding, ding. On to the next round. Oh my god. It's because a recruiter gets $100 per keyword, right? Uh, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Yep. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Should we move on to the next question? Yeah, yeah I want to get there. Uh, where are we at, Dewey? Where are we at? Um, let's talk about uh, a few things uh, that you hate to hear. Let's talk about what uh, should I not be saying as an interviewee? What should I not be telling you? Okay. Um, uh, there's so much. <laughs> it's going to make me sound meaner than I am. but uh, That's not true. I, it took... Oh, because I'm that mean? <laughs> um, the, uh, it's taken a long time for me to be annoyed by some of these things. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff I do comes from managertools.com. And uh, they put out a cast that said don't do these things in your interview. They will sink you. And you should go out and find that. I don't remember where it is. 
just Google it. Yeah. I'm sure Google will solve the problem for you. And, oh, actually, I, I linked it from my blog. And I said in the link that I put out, I did not care about these things the first year or two that I interviewed people, but now they're absolutely right. They're absolutely right. Almost every one of these things bugs me now. I think one of them was, don't say that's a good question. I know it's a good question. You know as how much time? As the interviewer? As the candidate. Don't as say, the candidate. I say, tell me about a time, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you're probably just, you're just speaking uh, reflexively to buy time and think about yeah, it. Yeah. But I know it's a good question. You know how many hours of time <laughs> I put into uh, picking that question? I mean, don't, I mean... Yeah, like the first couple of years, it was like, uh, it's okay. They, they, I kind of like them telling me it's a good question. But at this point, I'm, I'm so over it. So don't say it's a good question. Just okay. say something to the – maybe restate the question if you don't understand it. Um, talk back to them enough to make it clear that you understand the question. And then just sit there and think, please. Because guess what? I write down everything you say. Hmm. Because it's part of my process. Because I should be making a decision based on evidence, based on facts. And some of those things are the words you say. Yeah. So when you just blah, 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 and then after a minute and a half say, oh, oh, wait, now I've got one. Now I've got an answer to that question. It frustrates me because I've been writing all that stuff down. You know, just stop. Take a breath. Yeah, so okay. don't so don't be afraid of silence is what is what you're saying like yeah just calm down and you don't even you don't even need to preface it with that that's, that's a, a good question, question. <laughs> I, that was such a good question I'm gonna have to sit here and think you don't have to do that I know you're gonna I know you're gonna think just put on your thinking face I can read it <laughs> off of your face so that's something that was from that article and that I agree with and it might sound petty and not everybody is going to be bugged by it but the more a person interviews and the more seriously they take the job uh, of hiring the yeah. more likely they are to be annoyed by that not just because of the you know literal semantic value like it's not just that they are like, oh, of course it's a good question. Like, I just characterized my response. It's not only yeah. that. It's that everybody says that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. says that. So don't say it. Uh, don't say that. Don't be afraid of silence. Okay, so here's another thing that I hate to hear. Um, okay, let me get just give you a clue. I'm going to ask you questions sometimes <laughs> that um, there's a clear wrong answer. Don't give that wrong answer, Okay. So when we, when we interview interns, um, and when we interview interns, maybe they'd be sad if they knew this is what I'm thinking when I ask this question. But, hey, this is a public podcast. They can listen to it, and then they'll know. Um, uh, when we interview you, and uh, it's got, like, four positions you could, uh, interview, you could get hired into, and you check the box on more than one, more than mine, I'm almost always going to say, hey, you check the box on uh, web development and uh, software development and business intelligence. Which of these things do you, are you most interested in? You know I'm the web development interview. <laughs> so say web development. Yeah, say that. Yeah, otherwise don't, say, <laughs> don't say business intelligence. I'm like, okay, well, I got an extra half hour out of my day. Thanks. Uh, you know? Because... Um, 
if I didn't have a lot of candidates, maybe that wouldn't matter. But um, I get plenty of people applying, and there's plenty of them that say, oh, web development, hands down. I've been, you know, training for this since I was a fetus, you know. (laughs) So you saying, oh, so this dovetails into another thing that I hate hearing. Don't say, never say, I can do everything. Or I'm interested in everything. That does not reassure me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say that. Instead, your goal should be to demonstrate that you are a great fit for exactly the job I'm interviewing for. I mean, the odds that I'm going to get through your interview and say, wow, this is a renaissance man or woman. I know that we need uh, the jack of all trades like this way over here in this other department. That's not going to happen. I'm hiring for my job. I'm hiring for yeah. my opening. So don't don't sell me all of these secondary passions or skills. Go to the job interview that calls for those passions and skills. You should yeah. just tell me the stuff that has to do with this. And it's not lying. I have a brother that is a terrible date and a terrible interview because they'll say, <laughs> you know, uh, so why do you want this job? And he's like, well, I don't really want it. <laughs> <laughs> what I really oh, want to do is write books. But, you know, the world needs you to have money. So in the meantime, I was thinking I could work for you. And <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, Don't do that. Uh, He would do that. He would totally do that. Um, He's always turning himself in, ratting himself out. Just don't do that. It's not dishonest to focus on the topic at hand. You don't have to say everything just because it might be true in some context. Sure. So maybe, and maybe this is annoying to you as a manager, I don't know, but maybe the advice is if you're coming out of college... If you're trying to enter the career field in programming, if you're, you know, maybe you consider yourself full stack, maybe you enjoy both front end and back end. Yeah. But if you're, but if you're, let's say you have a preference towards the back end and you're yeah. interviewing for a front end position and that question comes up, just tell them you're interested in the spot. Yeah. And then, hey, maybe you'll still, maybe you'll get a bunch of, maybe you'll get a, an offer from two or three different companies. For one for back end, one for front end, one for database, or something like that. Yeah. So don't tell them that you were looking for something else. Try to yeah. get as many offers as don't you can. Don't tell me I'm your safety interview. Don't say yeah. that. And <laughs> never lie. Just never lie. Don't say, "Oh, my my favorite thing is you." Don't <laughs> don't 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 say. Tell every one of them the the, the only job I want is your job. Don't do that. Um, don't yeah. lie. Just just say I would really like this job. I'm not yeah. going to redirect and say, ah, but I asked you which one were you best for, and you're going to be best <laughs> yeah, for yeah. one of them, so which one is it? I'm probably not going to do that. I'm probably not. I'm just feeling you out to see if you're, like, on parole and need to get a certain number of interviews or, yeah. or you really want this job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, before you move on from this question, there's one more that I hate that I get a lot of disagreement from other managers on. So um, take it for with a grain of salt. I don't like it when people put emphasis on their passion. Passion is nice, and it's very trendy to say I'm passionate about something, but um, you don't pick your dentist based on how passionate he is. <laughs> you don't pick your brain surgeon because he thinks it's fascinating every time he cuts off the top of somebody's head. 
You don't want yeah. him looking at your head, the, at your brain, in glorious wonder. Wow, every time it just takes my breath away. <laughs> no, you want to hire These somebody. These tumors are amazing. Yeah, you want to you want to hire somebody that yes cares about the job, but puts your emphasis on professionalism and capability and uh, your ambitions and and your goals. Don't just say I'm passionate, because to me, passionate is the the last thing that you say when you've run out of other things. But you should hire me because yeah. I'm passionate. I could learn anything. Yeah. No, don't do that. That is a really good note. I'm glad you said that. Mm, yeah, because almost everybody says it. Almost everybody says it's again. It's the same thing as that's a good question. Everybody <laughs> says it. Don't say it. Everybody uh, says, "Oh, I'm passionate." Don't skip straight to the part where you demonstrate that you're good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skip to that part. So anyway, cool. Um, let's see. I think we probably have time for uh, maybe one more, one or two more questions, and then we'll. <laughs> Do some stories, uh, right. just just some some brief stories. Um, yeah. Let's see. So this will be like a two-parter question, um, and you can be just just tell it like it is. All if right. a someone fresh out of school applies for a higher, maybe even senior position, is that annoying? That's part one of the question. Is that annoying? Is that a waste of everybody's time? Part one. Part two is when somebody applies for a position that heavily requires. Uh, JavaScript, but the person only has experience in PHP. Is that annoying? Okay. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I know you're passionate, so I know you'll give us something good. I'm very passionate about both of those questions. So, um, let me put more fillers in there. So, um, you know, the thing is (laughs) that... uh, We're we're keeping that. We're not editing that out. (laughs) All right. Um... (laughs) I actually had a question a lot like that on my last recruiting trip, and we were in a classroom and talking about, uh, you know, the job, and people were asking questions, and one of them said, if I apply for the job in one avenue, like I handed my resume at the career fair, uh, should I not do it in the other avenue? Should I not do it online and then call you and email you and do all of the other ways that are available for me to apply? And my answer to him is more or less the same as my answer about if you're if you think you're too low to apply for that higher job grade, my answer uh-huh. is the same. Do it. Apply. I'm really good at ignoring you. <laughs> don't don't and I mean that like sincerely. Yeah, yeah. I it, I am I get so much email. I get so much information thrown at me that I'm very good at blocking stuff out and saying, oh, I've seen that before. You're not wasting my time. It's fine. <laughs> if you're, you don't know what position I'm in. You don't know that I'm saying, oh, I, I want to have this many years of experience and I haven't been able to find any candidates. You don't know what's going to happen. Apply. I can <laughs> say no so fast. <laughs> I can, I can uh, round can your application so fast. Don't worry about it. You know, if it's not a good application, I'll just, I'll just send you a regret and say thanks for the application. It's fine. So uh, you should apply promiscuously. You should apply to everything that you think you would like to do and that you could reasonably be a fit for. And I, it's, it's not like don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and you're going <laughs> to get hired 
uh, to do this job, that there's just no conceivable way you could do the job. No, interviews aren't that incompetent. We're going to know if you can do the job or not. We're, there's a lot of conversation after you get the interview. I mean, you're gonna, we're going to interview you, and then we're going to switch it over to the time where you ask us questions. And then if you get an offer, there's going to be negotiation uh, about your start date or your salary. There's plenty of time to sort that out. Don't limit yourself. Don't say, oh, I could never possibly do that. I'll just wait. Don't do that. <laughs> just apply. Just apply. I know how to say no. And there's too many applications for me to take the time to put a black mark next to your name. Oh, that's that guy that wasted my time last year. <laughs> I'm not hiring him. He's got the experience now, but he wasted my time. <laughs> um, what you don't want to do, I have had this happen. Don't apply for a job. Get all the way to the point where you've accepted an offer and then back out. Yeah, I'm going to remember that. I do remember that. I know a guy, still remember his name, and I recognize it every time he applies. And I say, oh, that's that guy that I got all the way to him accepting an offer and having a start date. And then he was like, oh, you know what? I thought hmm. about it again, and I got a better offer somewhere else. No, man, not cool. Hmm. Because he had already accepted the offer. He had already accepted it. But so had he not accepted it, it's not that big of a deal, right? Because there was no commitment on either party's yeah, side. Yeah, if, if he hadn't accepted an offer yet, it's all fa all's fair in love and war. That's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. It's fine if you're applying at five companies and you're getting offers from all of them. Uh, but if you've gotten offers from the first four and you're waiting for the fifth one because that's your dream job, don't accept an offer from me. It, don't make that because I'm your safety. And yeah. then... And then back out. I mean, do what you got to do. You can do that if you want to, because that company is your dream job. But just recognize that there's a cost to that. This community isn't big enough, isn't so big that I'm never going to see your name again, and that I'm that it's certain I won't know who you are. People don't realize how interconnected the community is that they're working in. So if you burn me in that way, maybe it's worth it. But you just have to recognize that that's part of the cost. That's part of the cost of getting that ideal offer is that I'm going to remember that you don't, you, your word isn't as valuable as these other people who have given it's me really, their word and kept it. It's really good that you didn't say, if you burn me, I'll burn you. <laughs> no, no. And I might end up hiring you. But if I have another option, right? Yeah, yeah, I might hire you. You might be that good. You might be so good that I'll be like, oh, yes, we need him because he's got this AI expertise that I can't get anywhere else. He's the best. So I'm going to hire him regardless or her. But you're probably not. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if everywhere is like this, but uh, I've had occasion to... Uh, be able to fill a job posting for, you know, the highest pay grade in the company uh, when really we're like, well, we would actually accept somebody, you know, half as uh, experienced as that, given that they uh, were the right fit. Yeah. Um, so don't be like, honestly, don't be deterred. I feel like oh, every yeah. job posting is like nine years of experience in Angular 7. Yeah. 
Yeah, I told you that. I, I think I've I've talked to you about this before. In a lot of cases, the job posting is an upper upper limit on who they'll hire, not a lower limit, yeah. because they have to set aside money to yeah, get yeah. that so job posting. We can pay somebody up to the amount we would pay for this level, yeah. but hey, if you're a lower level, we can also pay yeah. for that. Yeah, it's okay. possible that you would. It's possible that you would be, you know, a couple of jo- uh, grades below, and we're not going to pay you. We probably won't hire you into that senior position with senior pay, yeah. but yeah. we'll hire you, and you'll like the offer or you won't accept it, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's more of an upper limit. More often than not, the job posting is an upper limit, not a lower limit. Cool. So don't be discouraged. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you're a senior engineer and all you can find are intern spots, that's a more problematic position. Because uh, I might I might hire you if you're overqualified, but I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to pay you at commensurate to your right. qualification. I'm going to pay you what I have for the job. Yeah. So being uh, new, being new, and only being able to find maybe positions that require a year or two of experience, that's not nearly as bad a problem. I think you'll be able to find a position. Now... With regard to seeing something on the job description and having no experience, that's kind of touchy. I think that you should err on the side of applying. You should err on the side of, of going after it. It is bothersome when I have somebody come in and they have no experience with any of the core technologies. It's not uncommon for me to have sit across the table from a student and have them say, I'm really excited to, to apply. I'm so excited about web development. I've signed up for my first class. And by the, t- <laughs> by the time this internship starts, I should know what I need to know. No, sorry. The way yeah. I have to hire you based on what you're able to demonstrate at the time of the interview. I can't hire you based on what you might be able to do in six months. We yeah. can't do that. Um, but again, a lot of times job, rec- job descriptions are written more or less by committee. And so everything that anybody thinks is important is on there. Um, okay, okay. And it's not always clear which of those things is really core to the job. But if it's in the title of the job, like senior Java developer, and you've never used Java, unless you're a really senior C-sharp, C++, some other kind of developer, and, like, you're really good... You're probably you're probably not a good. It's probably not good for you to apply for that job. You know, if it's a senior Java developer and you've never used it, yeah, you should at least use it. <laughs> use it. Go take a, a an evening, a weekend, and use it. Use it can't. well enough to get through the coding part part of the interview. You can't and, just and like find front. Java on the internet, though. That's <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yeah. That's only exists in books. Yeah, just go use it. Now, that's one of the things that's so frustrating. Is I hate missing a good candidate, but I I have to if you can't demonstrate your capability. And I've had so many people that had great resumes, did well on the behavioral portion, and maybe even started strong on the coding, but then they didn't know how to do the most basic things. And I normally give them access to Google. I normally give them access to the internet. So even if they could just remember how to look it up, they'd be fine. Mm, yeah. And and they crash and burn. 
if, if you're applying for a job that requires HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you haven't done that for a while, take a couple of hours and mess around with it before the yeah, job yeah. interview. Uh, you're not going to fool me. <laughs> right? Because I asked this question of hundreds of people, and I timed them. And I take notes on at what time in the interview they solved this part of the problem and at what time in the interview they asked that question or made this decision. I've timed it all. I know how long it should take. I know how long it takes for a good applicant. I know how long it takes for somebody that's just barely figuring it out and isn't a good applicant. So give yourself the best chance by at least refreshing your memory on how those things work. I've had so many people that will say, I've, yeah, I've got the training. Yeah, I took it three years ago, and I haven't used it since then, so I'm sorry mm-hmm. I can't remember it right now. Well, I'm sorry, too. I wish I could hire you, but I have to hire you based on what you're able to demonstrate in the interview at the time of the interview. Yeah. Hmm. And, of course, the, the fewer applicants there are, the more risks I'll be forced to take, perhaps. But I'll never hire somebody that I don't think is a good idea. If it's, if it's, uh, if it's iffy, I'm not going to hire you no matter what, no matter how desperate I am, because the cost of, of a bad hire is just that high. It's just so high. I cannot waste money faster than hmm. to make a bad hire, because it's not just your salary. It's the salary of all the people on your team that are dragged down by your poor performance. So it sounds like as far as applying for a position that's higher, that you're recommending you go for it because there's nothing to lose. And the only thing that you can gain is an interview. Yeah. So you might as well. And then as far as applying for something in a language you're not familiar with, it sounds like you were saying go for it. Just make sure you're at least familiar with it. Do some practice, figure it out, learn about it before you go and... Yeah. Don't wait until the interview to be like, okay, so tell me yeah. how this language works. Take the job description seriously and try to prepare. And if you're not a good fit at all, don't try to get a job that you're not a good fit for. It's not going to be fun. Don't try to yeah, trick that's the, true. again. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Go watch it, okay? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way that we have so little idea of how work works that we'll hire you and it'll just be months and months and we'll have no idea that you're a buffoon. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy at a job that you can't do. You'll just be miserable. So I think it's fair to to try, but you should be honest with yourself about, do I have... It's one thing to say, I don't have enough years of experience. I'm not a senior, but I'm a junior or I'm a mid. That's one thing. But saying, I have no idea. I've never used... C++, I've never used Java, I've never done object-oriented design. Yeah, I don't know why you would want that job. Yeah. Why, why do you want that job that you have no experience with the core technology? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's more about uh, going out for jobs that have uh, higher requirements in a field or an area that you feel at least somewhat comfortable in. Because yeah. there's a chance they could be able to come down on that. It's not yeah. saying that if someone posts that they need, you know, an architect for their, you know, SaaS backend, and you're like, well, I've seen a website. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just yeah. shoot for the moon. Uh, yeah. Although I have to say that the, the 
higher level the job, the more senior, the more flexible hirers have to be. Uh, they have to be very, they have to be more choosy about which part of that job description really matters because the more senior it is, the more it would be nice for them to know, but the less likely it is that anybody has had the background that has them perfectly prepared for that job. Hmm. Yeah. So there's normally going to be some core element to that job, and it's going to be in the title of the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like senior artificial intelligence something, you know? So yeah. if, if, if I CTO. need somebody that's excellent at, at AI, I'm, I, don't, I haven't hired anybody. There's other people at the, at the company that have hired AI specialists. But I think AI is hard enough that language is secondary. I think that if you're excellent at AI and you understand how to make those models, how to oh, I feed see, the I data see. in, the, the, the fact that you used TensorFlow instead of whatever the other thing is that we're using, <laughs> it's probably fine. It's, it's probably at least worth applying, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the more senior jobs can be more flexible on language on because those are more the details and those are more important for junior jobs. Because at, at honestly, at a senior level, you're hired less and less because of the code you can sling. Yeah, because you write, I guess that makes sense. You write less and less code the more senior you are because your, your value comes from the code that you avoid. It, it comes from the way that you're able to design a system that's capable with less or able to uh, cut out a requirement that we thought we needed but we don't. And you're going to spend a lot of time mentoring other people, probably, unless it's a very small team. Because you're, if you're an AI specialist, I could I could understand that you're actually hired just to do AI, and you're not actually mentoring a team. Uh, but most of the time, if you're a web developer, a senior web developer, you've got junior guys around you, and you're being hired for your judgment more than your ability to turn requirements into code. Hmm. Cool. That's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Tyler, you're a wealth of knowledge on these things. And I think we should do. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should uh, have you back in the future. uh, I'd love to. So we we can cover more. And hopefully we can get some input uh, from some of you listeners about some questions that you have. Yeah. um, on, On either on either side, because I think Tyler has been on both sides. Uh. So I think we can get some sweet input uh, from there. Yeah. Do uh, we? Go ahead. I can, I'll be unopposed. I'll run unopposed because you guys will be like, yeah, sure. I've never been a manager. I guess that's true. (laughs) 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 Sounds good to me. And then somebody will be listening to your podcast and actually know what they're doing and be like, that guy is up in the night. But (laughs) it's okay. Actually, I read a book recently that said, when you give advice, you are you're valuing that other person less than if you were just sharing ideas. The more generous thing to do is to share ideas and then have a conversation rather than give advice. So actually, if people disagree with me, I, I really want to hear it because this is my job and I'd love to be better at it. And if you think I'm wrong, please convince me. Uh, I don't want to fight with you. I want to be better. Man, so professional. Yeah, you're like a way better all. person than me. <laughs> One day I'll be close to your level of professionalism. 
Um, all right. I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. Um, in the future, we, we, we do want to share more. We want to share some of our own stories, and we want to maybe even have some stories from you guys that we can share. And if you've got something pretty compelling, you know, we'll have you, we'll have you come on and share it with us. Anyway, uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. Check out our blog at detachedhead.net. Um, and you can follow Detached Cast on Twitter uh, for all the super valuable things we have to share with the world. Um, and Tyler, do you want to say anything about Manager JS? Yeah, I released the trailer on Saturday for that cast, for this podcast. Uh, welcome you to go check it out, or if you want to run it uh, after this episode, that's fine too. It's not very long. Yeah, uh, we'll do that. We'll put that at the end. And as always, we have to tell you, Kyle, our editor, he is anything but the raisins in an oatmeal cookie. (laughs) That sounds delicious. Done forever? Yeah, done forever. Done forever. How do you become a successful coding professional? I can help you. I've been a professional coder since 2003 and in 2013 moved into management. Now I work with and hire web developers to work in an established technology company on Utah's Silicon Slopes in Lehigh. I interview about 50 candidates each year, from students to senior engineers. It has taken me years to develop my system for identifying the best candidates, and my team is awesome. I recruit in colleges up and down the Wasatch Front, from Brigham Young University in Provo to BYU-Idaho in Rexburg, and colleges in between, the University of Utah, UVU, Utah State, Weber. I meet hundreds of students at career fairs each year. I love being a part of their first steps in their careers. Interviews and fair booths are fine. But my favorite part of recruiting trips are the last half of classroom visits or information sessions. Introductions are out of the way. We've covered the details of the job and general information. Now people start asking fun questions. And if they ask right, they uncover really fun stories and wisdom from the recruiting team. That's what you can expect here. Candid advice and stories that stand out from other hiring managers, current developers, students, and myself. Sometimes it will be in interview format. I'll record a conversation and present it here for you. Sometimes it will be a confessional from myself based on past experiences, some of them recent, some of them years past. Always the goal is to present the candid view of what it is really like to be a professional and what it takes to be successful. I'm Tyler Peterson. This is Manager JS. 
I hope you enjoy what you're learning. God bless, and I look forward to working with you someday. All right, well, let's see how that turned out.